adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Welcome to Rete This Way, a cultural podcast that brings you news and analysis from the world of Syria and European soccer, all the way from the beautiful country of Canada. Uh, that uh, intro song is uh, Serenata Messicana. Uh, by who, Paulo? Claudio Villa. Claudio. Is it Villa or Villa? V- well, I guess, yeah. yeah. I guess Villa. Yeah. Villa. yeah. Um, uh, thanks, Paula, for finding that uh, for finding that intro. Oh, sorry, I, I should have introduced people before I I rudely I rudely um... shame. Yeah, shame, shame. <laughs> and, shame. He failed. Uh, he failed this all. Shame or shamo? Shamo, both. <laughs> um, of course, uh, again, with uh, my name is Michael D'Angelo, and with me I have uh, Paulo Nobiloni Mangoni. Good evening, uh, Chris, uh, Coach Chris Baselli. Forza Milan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh of course uh nature boy julian d'angelo <laughs> amazing is that good we like that one uh, i like, I like man one. all right two in a row i still like julian gooligan but i know julian doesn't like it, so. <laughs> yeah julian gooligan's good too um all right, uh, we have a uh, a, a nice, uh, I think a, a mail-in kind of show. That's kind of my vibe this week. So let's uh, let's kind of maintain that like fun little vibe. Uh, but we got uh, just whatever games we have to get through. So match day four games, uh, we're gonna get a little bit of uh, our preview on. We're gonna preview some Champions League soccer and some Europa League soccer uh, that's happening this week. And uh, and that's actually kind of it for the show. We'll do uh, we'll wrap it up with a nice little city of B minute. But um, yeah, I think we're, uh, we're we're good to go with that. If there's uh, if there's no qualms with that with that agenda, my friends, let's uh, let's get to it. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. Excellent. Uh, okay, well, I'll start it off here. We uh, can start with the Saturday games, uh, which start off with Napoli. Uh, against Atalanta, and that's kind of why we played Paulo, your song here, right? Your Serenata Messicana, right? right. Uh, and that's because uh, Irving Lozano had a great game. Um, he scored uh, okay. Well, actually, the game ended four to one, uh, and this game was uh, we all thought it would be a great game. I, I mean, I thought it was going to be a great game, and Atalanta just kind of shit the bed i think <laughs> With, for lack of a better uh term there but they the first half they were they were trash trash like napoli had their way with atlanta that game uh that first half and and i think just them not scoring more goals uh not not just embarrassing atlanta more than 4-1 was kind of lucky for atlanta but um as was as i was saying is lozano had uh two goals um, one twenty third, one at the twenty seventh. Then Politano scored a nice goal, uh, just inside uh, the corner, and uh, Osterman, uh scored in the forty third minute, his first goal, I believe, for Napoli. 
in uh, yeah yep. in league and uh, and then uh, Lammers, uh, the new boy at Atlanta scored uh, to make it four one. But yeah, Atlanta, um, Paulo, we were talking about this offline. We're thinking maybe they <laughs> they fielded it just a, a rotated squad perhaps uh, in, in anticipation for this week's Champions League game perhaps. Yeah, uh, because Illich has started for the first time in what three months since uh, since the Champions League uh, final eight tournament. What you right. mean before that? He wasn't there, yeah. Didn't make that that squad. Yeah. So I think that was a kind of a, an odd game to start Illichich, who uh, you know who hasn't played in in more than a few months. Uh, De Pauli uh, started his first game again. I mean, I don't know why you're starting uh, players who who are not integrated in the squad against a team like Napoli, who, as as we saw in this game, was a well-oiled machine. So for me, I, I think that Gasparini had an eye on uh, the midweek game um, instead of focusing on, on Napoli. Uh, maybe he thought that in a, in a group with Ajax and Liverpool, it's best to get a, a start against uh, the Danish, a good start against the Danish club. To, to, play, to play devil's advocate, though, I would argue, or you know, you could argue, if he doesn't start Ilicic and they don't play well, then the media, anyways, comes at him saying, "Why didn't you start Ilicic? You know, he was in the form of his life earlier on last year. If you started him, you could have got points." So, I, I see what you're saying, Paulo, but I think the the other side of that could also be argued uh, as well. Um, you know, do you throw him into the Champions League match as his first game back, and then right. if he doesn't play well, I think they say. Well, why didn't you play him against Napoli to give him some minutes? So, yeah, um, I think both sides can be argued here. That's fair. Uh, honestly, though, I think there was nothing really that was going to help Atlanta here either. Like it, it didn't matter. I think Napoli just kind of had that great of a game, and they were there was no room for Ilicic. I think to uh, <laughs> make an impact either way, right? Whether he was in the lineup mm-hmm. or out of the lineup, it's they just the whole team didn't show up. So I, I think. Uh, looking forward, whatever they did, I think Paulo's point of perhaps they just didn't have the right mindset going into the game, I think played a big part in this because, again, Napoli wiped the floor with them, truthfully. Yeah, they did. I I know I said last week for the game, I wouldn't be surprised if Lazio had scored uh, a couple of buttons, so I didn't find their defense was that strong. Who? Apparently it was a week early at uh, Atlanta. Oh. I claim, well, I said it wouldn't surprise me if Lazio scored. Oh, sorry. I don't think they're, yeah, I don't think their center backs are very strong. Um, And I think, I mean, Napoli was able to take advantage of that pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, the the defending overall was like atrocious. If you watch the game on DAZN, the the commentators said that time and time again, and I I have to agree with them. So hopefully Atalanta doesn't uh, show that again midweek which we'll touch on a bit later. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't a good game well, for them. That's pretty rare that uh, Chris agrees with uh, English comedy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I didn't agree with everything they said, but on that part, I agreed. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's keep it moving here. We'll, we'll talk about the, um, the next, I guess, game that was up on the docket here. And that was actually uh, odd timing, I think, for this game. We kind of talked about it last week. That it was. This was our noon o'clock, noon o'clock, noon game. Um, whereas we thought it probably would have been, should have been the later game, but uh, it was Internazionale and Milan. Oh yeah, it was uh, frustrating <laughs> to say the least. Why, Julian? 
Why? Because they lost. <laughs> um, I yeah, we saw. I mean, if you saw the first twenty minutes, uh, Milan scored two goals right off the bat. Uh, Kolarov, for whatever reason, decided to give away a clear-cut penalty to Ibra. Um, and then again, he was D'Ambrosio was beat fairly easily by Leal in the second one. But again, Kolarov was stuck in no man's land. Um, I don't know when this experiment with him started at center back, but it's it's finished. Like in my in my opinion, he should be the literal last resort for any center back moving forward. I'd rather Renakia play left center back at this point. Like he's, I saw a stat on Twitter yesterday. He's been at fault for five of the goals conceded in four games. Like there's no reason for him to be playing there anymore. Um, however, saying that, Inter did have their chances. Um, unfortunately, they weren't able to finish. Lukaku missed a clear header right before halftime. I know Hakimi as well missed one at around the 60th minute. Um, but hey, kudos to Milan. They honestly, they played pretty well overall. Um, were able to keep Inter quiet and kind of shut down the Lukaku Lataro partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously a, a huge win for Milan, I think. And we spoke about this last week, but Milan's first three matches of the season were against, you know, clubs that are, you know, going to be in the, you know, bottom half of the table, maybe mid table at best. So this was Milan's first, you know, true showing. Um, I think they played well. I think getting the three points is going to do a lot for their confidence, especially as European matches start to roll into play. Uh, Ibra's presence and, you know, this probably seems obvious because he scored two goals, but uh, his presence, you know, really shows itself on the pitch. Um, obviously, uh, his two goals are massive, but I don't think Milan wins the game or even draws the game if he's not on the pitch. And again, I know that goes without saying because he scored the the two goals for us, but um, you can just tell that he's able to affect this group with that mentality that he has. So, yeah, big game overall. Um I liked what I saw from Leao. Uh, I liked what I saw from Chalanoglu as well. I'm still not his biggest fan, but he is playing well, so I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, it was good to see Romagnoli back in the fold. And, uh, yeah, big win for, for Milan. Um, like Julian said, Inter had chances to tie it, and you know, I, I was expecting one or two of those to go in, but, um, you know, Lady Luck was on Milan's side, and um, I hope the, the return the return leg is just as exciting as that one. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can kind of chalk that up to uh, just the, the, the history of Milan versus Inter, right? Inter is just kind of, they don't really have much class. Whereas Milan showed their class, (laughs) right? They showed their class uh, by um, keeping the score the way it was Uh, here. Actually, I have a little clip that I found um, here quickly of uh, our predictions last week. I'm going to go ahead Guys, and predict a 2-1 win for Milan. So I'm going to give uh, 1,500 points hey. to Chris for that. So That's why he's you, Coach sir. Chris. That's why he's Coach Chris. <laughs> That's it. And uh, if you guys both recall, or all four, all three of us, or four of us rather, uh, recall, we bo- also said that Ibra would score two goals. Right? You did, I think, Mike. You did call that. I'll so. take that. I'll take. I'll take a, a quick forty points. One and own goal. Uh, shut up. Personally, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <shut> <laughs> uh, I, I thought a draw w- should have been the result. I think again, as Chris said, Milan was lucky to win. Um, also, uh, 
you know, Milan was also lucky to have 10 men, sorry, 11 men still on the field. I thought Kessie uh, should have been given a red card. We'll get into the reason why I think that in the Juventus game later on. But um, Kessie was still lucky to be on the field. Uh, Romagnol, if it wasn't, and I say this because Kessie played a great game. Uh, if it wasn't for, for him in the midfield, Romagnoli would have been absolutely destroyed uh, by Lukaku multiple times. He was beat uh, at least three or four times by my count because I was watching the yeah, game. Yeah, the well. Lukaku's uh, clear Luka- header. Uh, sorry. That's who was, he separated from Romagnoli fairly Again, easily. Yeah. On that. yeah. And uh, as soon as Kessie dropped back, uh, Lukaku was, uh, was, was nullified. I mean, he didn't have any impact as soon as Kessie uh, dropped closer to uh, to help cover with Romagnoli. So again, uh, I think the the breaks just went Milan's way, and I think Inter should feel, um, you know, a bit a bit angry, you know, because they had their chances. Uh, Conte decided to start collar off, and that's what you get for playing uh, a thirty five year old uh, wing back uh, in the in on the left side of a three man defense. I mean. You, you reap what yeah, you sow. Cry me a river. You always want <laughs> Milan to have red cards. Uh, but I do agree. <laughs> because but I they're do agree, clear follow, fouls. Um, yeah, Lukaku was having his way with Romagnoli. But in all fairness, and yes, my bias is maybe coming out. Um, I don't know how many center backs can physically go man to man with Lukaku. Yeah. Like oh. he's 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 a beast, right? Oh, I know, um, I know and, one. And Luke... I know one for Bonucci. sure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Lukaku, and he he knows he's physically stronger than all the center backs, and and he uses that to advantage, and as he should, he's a smart player. Um, but yeah, I I agree that the change with Kessie made a big difference. I'm just disappointed the change wasn't made earlier because it was almost too late. So it was a, you make a good point though on that. Yeah, I just want to say before we move mm-hmm. on, I've been seeing on Twitter a lot of uh, Inter fans are saying like, oh, season's over, forget it, we're <laughs> done. Relax, we're four games in. Yes, our last two results have been unlucky. Inter overall, Chris, you said Milan was lucky. Inter was unlucky this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at even their COVID cases. Other than everybody who featured, the only players available on their bench that weren't U-squad players were Ranocchia, Pinamonti, and Darmian. So their bench was completely kind of nullified. And saying that, I think everybody who featured except for Hendanovic uh, was on European break. Or, sorry, not European, international break this week. Right. Um, and I know some players didn't join up again until Thursday. So right. relax. It's It's been a rough couple weeks, but go out and get a win Wednesday. You got Genoa next week. That should be no excuses. Go get a win there. Yeah, The, the ghost Everything of Goran Panda. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you never know. <laughs> Is that because he's so old that he's like a ghost now? It's just his magnificent <laughs> hair. You know I love his hair. <laughs> yeah. Team, hashtag Team Stump you. Um, Paulo, I'm going to deduct you 50 points. Uh, you said Kolarov was 35. He's 34, okay, until November 10th. <laughs> so yeah. you watch your tongue. Get, get your shit together. Get your shit together. That's a... That's a real time fact check. <laughs> uh, and Julian, just before we move on, how was how did Sensi play? Uh, he was That's suspended right. for All right, moving on here. Um, we'll we'll talk about Samp Lazio. Uh, so just quickly on that, I just okay. want to say I still don't know why Inter didn't appeal. Well, but anyways, go well, ahead. no, you know what? Inter didn't appeal because they're a clueless organization. They don't know <laughs> left from right. I don't know, honestly. Yeah, it, it was it was a stupid card. Like it was you know almost uh, blatant 
diving or whatever, like embellishment rather from uh, from who was it, Patrick? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, he got. Uh, I guess we're going into that game. He got uh, kind of pwned on the third goal for pwned the full. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Let's let's move into that then. Uh, so yeah, Samp uh, and Lazio. Uh, what happened there? Sampdoria won three nothing. Uh, Quagliela scored the opening goal from a header uh, after a cross from uh, Algello, who uh, who was played down the uh, down the line by Tonali, which was a great ball from uh, from the center back. So Algello was involved in the second goal uh, after the ball broke to him at the top of the box and slotted in with his left foot. Uh, he was one of the uh, one of the contenders for our goal of the week. Uh, Yoshi for the third goal, Yoshida won the ball in last year's half to start a quick counterattack. That led to a Quagrella chance, but Lazio failed to clear it after that and allowed Damsgaard to finish it off in the top corner. So for me, the only bright spot for Lazio was their combination play between Murishi and Correa. And as again, as Julian said, Karma, uh, Karma was a bitch for Patrick, who had a... I just want to confirm, game. Paulo, the centre-back is Tonelli, not Tonali. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Figured, yeah, again, um, I had, yeah. And then, how are the, what are those jer- jerseys doing for you? The uh, Lazio away kit. Yeah. The lime green jersey. I mean, like, <laughs> I wanted to like my eyes after I saw them. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, Paulo, I'm going to give you a minus uh, five for that uh, blunder right there. Um, but I'm also going to give you a minus fifty, what? another minus fifty, because you uh, referred to Qualiera. Qualiarella simply as Qualiarella and not former Capo Cananieri, uh, Fabio Qualiarella. So yeah. there you go. Shame. Yeah, well, so, your so semantics here are that you're minus 105 on <laughs> the episode so far. So. <laughs> uh, okay, is that it for, uh, for Sam Platz? Yes. Uh, I, you know, I just wanted to say that, you know, again, mm-hmm. we'll get into the previews for the European games later, but. Uh, this is not a good omen, uh, especially if Lazio has to play without Immobile in some games. Uh, and it's not a good omen for going into a yep. game against uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, yeah, you know, sure. who and, are you know the after the game, uh, Inzaghi actually said uh, that the team should be embarrassed of themselves. And I think that's, <laughs> uh, again, very telling on uh, kind of what he he was clearly expecting from the team, right? Yeah, but, I, but again, uh, to me, that... That goes. Uh, sorry, I, I want to mm-hmm. also praise uh, Sampdoria, um, you know, who have responded to a bad start uh, in the league. I mean, they got they got embarrassed by Juventus a week Juventus side. I'm glad I had Mike uh, in the first game of the season, and you know they're starting to recover, uh, you know, regain some of the form that they had uh, in the last uh, bit of last season, the final uh, final stretch of last season. And again, that goes down to, to Claudio Ranieri, uh, you know, wily manager, a very intelligent manager. Uh, and immediately, you know, after the first game against Juventus, saw that his side was mentally weak. And uh, uh, that seems to what they were working on. Yeah, uh, we even last, saw them uh, lose to so Benevento as well, right? So that's that's just to that to that point, right? Then they, they come back right. and they turn around against Fiorentina and now uh, a, a confident showing against Lazio. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the the marquee game of uh, Saturday, which <laughs> which was uh, Crotone Juventus, uh, and uh, this game was was an interesting one. Uh, we had uh, the best center back in the league in 
in Bonucci um, stomping on. <laughs> did he stomp on Impolo? A little bit of a stomp, right? Yeah, it, it looked. I mean, I, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Like that. That was that. That challenge yeah, and, did not have to be made. None yeah. whatsoever. All he had to do was cover him. Because when you make that type of challenge in the box, uh, yeah, it's, it's honestly it's embarrassing. And he is the fact that people still consider him probably like they 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 cite him as one of the best <laughs> central defenders um, is is kind of embarrassing for them as well. But uh, in any case, uh, the game uh, ends one one based on a semi penalty in twelfth minute based on that um, Bonucci um, foul in the box Gong Show. Um, <laughs> Morata actually ties it, so his first goal um, in uh, black and white, but in in his return, I guess, uh, is the first goal. Or did he score last? Is no, this is it, I think, right? Yeah, his first goal, and then uh, actually yeah, with a Chiesa yeah. assist in uh, Chiesa's debut game, uh, and that wasn't it for Chiesa. As in the 60th minute, he got uh, a a very harsh red card. Um, which, yeah, again, harsh is, is probably the, the best way to, to kind of characterize it because it, it did not. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, if, if that's a red card, then how come uh, the. Well, let's put. The yeah, let's, let's put this to. Let's pose card. that question I mean, that, like, to Chris. Chris, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> well, Juve Merda. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> okay, that's mm. not an argument. Uh, I don't know. If he if he would have said Bonucci Merda, I would have been on board. Fair enough. Uh no, yeah, Fair I mean enough, like where, where was the ref when the incident happened? I I've spoken about this before, but you know, how have you been how have you been behaving all game? Are you up the refs, you know, you know what after every call? People um you know, I think, you know, what's the, the mood of the game at the time that all definitely has a a part to play on the referee's decision making, uh, you know, and nor- under normal circumstances, I would say the fans have a, you know, they definitely affect the referee in some capacity. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, you could argue one way or another easily. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a play next weekend that's very similar and there won't be any call at all. Um, so I know it's tough pill to swallow for UA fans, but Forza Crotone. So, I just want to jump in here as well. So, you think it was a little harsh? Yes. Paul, Paul does. And Mike. That tackle, I'm watching the replay again, was literally a carbon copy of the Vecino on Mandzukic a couple years ago. And what? Thank you, Julian. Which Vecino got a straight red for. <laughs> Good. That should be plus 2,000 points for so, Julian. No, I'll give him. I'll give him. It's literally a carbon copy. Second late, Cleed does catch the ankle. But I'll give I'll give him, literally two, I'll give him 200. Copy. Uh, <laughs> just for the reference, um, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Paul. So, uh, sorry, Mike, but Kaiser K- K- won the ball, okay. And then when he slid, because it was a slide tackle, it wasn't. It wasn't like his his studs were like showing completely, okay. Uh, in in my opinion, he won the ball, and then the follow through. Uh, uh, I know Chris will will say that even though it's a follow through, it's still a red card. But the follow through was when was when he made contact. It wasn't that he was completely late, and it was a blatant fl- uh, like a foul and a reckless foul. No, it was he was going for the ball. The ball was there. He won the ball, and it was and it was the the uh, the follow through afterwards. But it wasn't even a harsh follow through. Again, his the studs were not showing completely. It wasn't like 
his leg was uh, was high. His foot was uh, was was raised. No, it was it wasn't any of that. It was just uh, a a normal. Uh, Look, the studs ball. are either showing or they're not. I don't know if they're if you can say like they weren't really showing. Like they're either up or they're down. Um, but like like we all remember that nasty Nigel De Jong tackle on I think it was Iniesta in the World Cup final many moons ago. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So if, <laughs> yeah, if the young gets the ball at Iniesta's that chest and then goes through and follows through into Iniesta's chest, is the argument, oh, but he made a play on the ball and it was just the follow-through that got Iniesta in the sternum? No, like it's it's a red card, regardless of whether you got the ball or not. So you're responsible you know, for your body on the follow-through, even if you do make contact. And then Again, it's either studs are showing or they're not. Yeah, but Chris uh, and and watching the replay now, it, it does look like the studs are showing. But at, Go the, ahead, at the same time, again, like he's he's making that play. He's going to to get that ball, and he gets the ball. Mm-hmm. It just happens that the play ends with that guy sliding in. So if someone comes yeah. in, if, same thing. If I'm walking and some guy slides under my foot, am I going to get a red card for having walked and this this jabroni is sliding under my foot? Oh, I agree, and like I I agree that it was it was harsh, um, but. We we've seen it called sometimes and others not. And like I said, it just yeah. depends. What did the referee see? Um, I don't think he actually went to go look at VAR. He right? didn't. Like, I know no, they he, waited he, for it, no. but he didn't go look at it. So no, he um, did. Yeah, harsh for sure. But um, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was an inexperienced. He was a it was a young ref, an inexperienced ref, and you know, I hope uh, at some point uh, he gets you know shuffled to to games that don't involve any top uh, uh, top half teams. I mean, uh, this is this is type of, of crap shenanigans that, you know, uh, uh, foreign fans, non-Syria fans, known Syria for is this type of, uh, you know, terrible refing that leads to uh, drop points for uh, uh, well, one of the, at least the, one of the, the VAR clubs. cameras don't turn off like they did in that Sheffield game <laughs> after COVID. What a farmer's league, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> indeed. Anyways, Francesco Forno. Forno, actually, it's French. Looks like a French last name, but he's Italian. Uh, Vergognati. <laughs> That's for you, Paul. Is that for you? Um, anyways, after that, key is a red card, though. Uh, Juve actually had a couple great chances to win it, and they just couldn't couldn't pull through. Murata hit the post um, on a header. And then he actually scored, but it was deemed offside. And again, we've talked about that offside uh, off offline as well. And you guys say it was. I say, hey, I say tomato, you say tomato. <laughs> yeah, tomato. Well, Mike, it was offside. Like You can't really argue against VAR. You can say, okay, maybe they, uh, they judged it uh, a bit too late when, when he played the pass. You can, you can argue that, but... From an offside, the fact that was that he was coming, I, I uh, coming from um, an offside position. I, I would like yeah. to see again that it's the same thing like that we see in uh, in hockey in North America, where you know if they're challenging plays and it's literally like this guy's foot is has stepped off the line, or whatever. Like if I'm seeing a centimeter, like that to me is just stupidity. Why are we judging this by a millimeter? Um, well, well, that's. So uh, to, to your point, Mike, that's one of the uh, you know arguments that the IFAB, which is the um, Chris, help me out. I think it's the International Football Association yep. Board, where they where they come up with the rules. That's one of the the arguments that um, that they're making. That okay, well, maybe we should not 
judge off sides when it's like more or less than, you know, a couple of uh, inches or a couple of centimeters. So again, the, how VAR will come, um, will be adjusted is through trial and error. So because if they want, listen, if they want more goals to be scored, then, then they should forego the um, minimal offsides as uh, Arsene Wenger put it, like, you know, offside by centimeters, not necessarily offside. I mean, he's right <laughs> on that point. We can get into his other crazy crackpot theories later on, but uh, I, I, I think that's another that can of worms is like, if it's an inch offside, don't call it. But if he's, you know, two inches offside, you do call it. Like then I think that's, uh, that's difficult to, what was what was the uh, what was the old rule? It was clear and obvious. Um, yeah, uh, clear but, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, was was that? Was, no, was I mean the, the human eye was not was, was not going to catch so. that. But mm-hmm. I, I think you just digging yourself a, a big hole by saying if it's by this amount you don't call it. If it's by that amount you do call it. But anyways, that's a discussion for a different day. Yeah, I think I think we can all agree that if just the general rule should be yeah. that uh, if it's in favor of Juventus, that it should be fine, right? So that they should <laughs> have let the goal stand um, <clears throat> for Crotone. I mean, our, our resident frozen if, if our resident with that, but, fan uh, wants to pick a point. fight with me, <laughs> he knows where to find me. Okay, I know where to find him too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, we'll, we'll invite him on the show. Can I mute we'll, his mic? Uh, we'll, uh, hopefully that will play out live. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I don't think so, but no. She. This is the presidential debate. Okay. So I, don't, I don't think that's possible. Okay, well, that, that rounds out the uh, Saturday game. So let's she. take a quick break here. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll go through uh, the rest of the uh, matches from the Sunday and Monday uh, before uh, continuing through to Europe. So uh, give us a second. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Let's uh, pick right up here and we'll go to the Sunday Sunday games. Uh, and we'll start off with uh, Bologna and Sassuolo. So uh, it, was a, it was a thriller. It was a thriller, seven-goal thriller. Uh, in, <laughs> thriller in Manila, exactly. This time the thriller in Emilia-Romagna. Uh, uh, okay. So Sassuolo scored... Uh, Sorry, excuse me. Sorry, Soriano scored for Bologna to open the scoring after a delightful pass he played to to reach the box. He he ta- essentially was almost as tapped in from the six yard box. Mm-hmm. Berardi tied it up with a long range curler from the edge of the box. Uh, Bologna took the lead through Svanberg after again another another delightful Bologna passing play after they bo- broke through Sassuolo's uh, defense again. Uh, Bologna took a 3-1 lead after Locatelli lost the ball near his own box uh, and gave it away to Orsolini, who finished his chance uh, after he gained uh, gained the box. Uh, Sassuolo pulled one back to make it 3-2 after uh, went through Jurchich after after another uh, you know another delightful passing play, which was the theme throughout the game. Uh, who uh, who finished off a delightful through ball from Caputo? Caputo himself tied it up at 3-3 after a whole. After a horrible defensive mistake from a corner, uh, the ball was sliced up in the air and it broke to Caputo, who headed it home. Uh, Sassuolo completed the comeback after uh, after a quick break that led to a, a cross uh, that broke uh, broke off Tomeyasu uh, for Bologna own goal. And uh, this is third time 
that uh, Sassuolo uh, scored four. Uh, excuse me, that scored four goals. Yeah, this, this season. season. Yeah. Yeah. I think the. I mean, kudos to Sassuolo for coming back, but I think Bologna will definitely be disappointed yeah. because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was three one going into the you know sixty second or sixty third minute. So. You, you know, especially, I mean, Bologna, Bologna, excuse me, hasn't had the best of starts to this point. So um, I think that's a game they probably should have come away with a point at, at the very minimum. Uh, again, I don't want to take anything away from Sassuolo because it's never easy to come back like that. But Bologna will, will definitely be disappointed with no, uh, you're right. that they, collapse. They were, uh, that. Bologna were unlucky, I think, to, to not get any points from this game for sure. Well, again, like I want to point out the two, the two mistakes – uh, essentially, were three three goal uh, after the ball uh, from the corner. Wait, yeah, and then the and then and then yeah, yeah which was the, the well. I was just gonna say it's it's a clearance right that just kind of <laughs> goes backwards still, yeah. like it just almost completes that right. cross for him, right? And then uh, it's kind of like what would happen in a game yeah. of FIFA, right? Like it's it just happens to go up, and then uh, Caputo's right there to to <laughs> yeah. head it home, and then yeah, that that own goal again, un- unlucky, but that's. That, that those kind of plays happen. So I mean, uh, I mean, Mihalovic has a lot of work to do. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they only have what a couple points. Which uh, might look up their their record. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. They didn't have a very like as Chris said. I don't think they had a good start to the season, and you know, losing especially at home to your local rival, it, it's going to leave a sour taste in Mihalovic's mouth. And uh, you know, hopefully, they can you know yeah. come back and and regroup for uh, for the next game. Yeah, so they have three points. They won. They beat uh, Parma in okay, week well. two. Um, yeah, so they've they've only mustered three points so far. Well, there you go. So and and that's again, as I said, losing to your your local rival. I mean, especially allowing them to come back from three one down and scoring three unanswered goals. I mean, it's Malovich is probably probably reamed his team after after the game was done in in the locker room. Yeah. And, but to be fair, they did have again. It was a better game, a better showing than uh, against Benevento, mm-hmm. right? Where they they just didn't really show up to that one, right? It ended well. They didn't. They got unlucky as well, but it ended one nothing, yeah. right? So it's uh, at least they were able to kind of capitalize on some some chances. And and like you said, like there was a lot of nice passing plays with which mm-hmm. you saw, right? Which you can't fault them for a lack of offense. Just again, those those two. Uh, those two goals and, and like Chris said, right after the 63rd minute, it just kind of fell apart. But uh, yeah, it was unlucky. I think, in my opinion. Yeah, and and no, go ahead, Chris. Okay, well, I was about to say this is one two. Go ahead. I was about to say that. I mean, uh, this could have been my game of the week so far. Like seven goals, a local derby. I mean, to me, I think I would give this the game of the week. Yeah, the the only thing I'll add before we move on is just I wonder, and we'll never know, but what how much of an impact would the supporters have had in a game like this? Because like you said, Paul, a local derby, uh, there's usually a bit more passion in those kinds of matches. So how are the fans able to affect uh, the teams, uh, the home team rather, in those types of games? So again, we'll never know, and everybody's kind of, and and sorry, home fans when mm-hmm. when the stadium is full. I know a lot of teams are letting some fans in, but. I don't think they're making enough noise to really um, influence and, and motivate the players like they usually do. But um, yeah, it'll be 
a tough uh, rest of the season yeah. for Bologna to pick up. Okay, let's uh, let's keep going here. We'll talk through uh, Spezia and Fiorentina. So uh, the game ended two two. Uh, it was a good game, a good showing from Spezia, uh, but they didn't have the greatest of starts. Uh, Patella opened the scoring from a corner in his on his hundredth uh, appearance for Fiorentina. Uh, Biragi doubled the score after converting a cross that went through the six yard box from uh, from Pirola. Uh, Spezia pulled one back. Uh, before the end of the first half from Verde, who broke through on goal after like a horrendous error from Caceres, lack of concentration from Caceres, and places, uh, placed it underneath Dragoski. Caceres. Martin Caceres. Fiorentina uh, should have uh, expanded <laughs> their, uh, their lead to 3-1, but Castrovilli missed a sitter in front of the six-yard box. Uh, Spetsch should have tied it up uh, after another error, this time from Pizzella, who uh, gave it away to Enzola. But uh, Farias uh, flashed his shot high and wide. Uh, Far- Farias made up his uh, made up from his error and took his second chance well after Fiorentina failed to clear uh, the ball from a corner and slaughtered into the far post. Uh, Spe- uh, Spezis could have won the game at the end in stoppage time, but Enzola placed it on the wrong side of the post. Um, again, uh, it kind of reminded me of um, of the Sampdoria Benevento game where uh, the home. T- the uh, excuse me, the a team took a quick two nothing lead and then broke apart in the second half. Just felt like fell off completely, uh, and it also remind me of uh, of Fiorentina's game against Inter. Uh, you know, played well, uh, took the lead, and then completely fell apart. Uh, I mean, Yakini is hanging on by by a thread at uh, at this point. Uh, sorry, I mean, I'm reading the um, you know. The tabloids in Italy, the sports tabloids in Italy, uh, Corridello Sport. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, sorry, rumored <laughs> to take over Fiorentina, but I don't know if it's going to happen because he's, he, uh, sorry himself, has stated that he would never want to come in uh, in the middle of the season and take over as a caretaker coach. So it's interesting to see how uh, Fiorentina will react from this um, collapse. Uh, but uh, credit, credit goes to Spezia, who, again, steal a point. Um, at home against uh, a team who was favored to be in the top half of uh, top half of the uh, of the league, and you know uh, picking up points against the bigger clubs will uh, will set them off on the right path to uh, uh, to stay in Syria at the end of the season. Yeah, it's a good point, Paulo. I was going to mention that again. We talked uh, prior to the season with the moves that uh, Fiorentina were making, or just again the solid Mercado that they had. Uh, that's this team was probably something that we we could have we we could envision kind of challenging for you know upper mid table but again it's it's games like this where you they would want to take those points right and i know they they just finished uh losing chiesa right but it's i don't think that that really made the difference here i think they still have that solid squad and, and again they're the the issue i think is that they just didn't have that that finish and, and the kind of the, the collapse that would that, that we saw against Inter as well. Right. That it's kind of just poking its head out here and there still. I mean, it says something that they're both their goal scores were defenders as well. I mean, it shows that uh, yeah. uh, Valovic is not at, at the level that Fiorentina needs them to be. And uh, I mean, Cali Owen hasn't entered enter the, uh, the squad yet completely. So, I mean, uh, the Fiorentina yeah, he played, he played, he played this game, but okay. it was only again after the seventieth, I yeah. think, or something like that. So he's not completely integrated into the squad. So it's going to take some time for, uh, you know, Fiorentina to recover from Chiesa's loss, losing Chiesa. 
And mm-hmm. I, I, I personally, I don't think they're going to challenge for Europe. I think Yakini is going to be sacked in, in the next few games. Yeah, maybe. I would agree with that. I, I, yeah, I don't think he he's the long term solution there. I think historically, it's almost like Yakini's the the guy you hire for the last like twelve games of the season to prevent your team from getting relegated. So, um, I think for Fiorentina, it's like rip the bandaid off now, bring in somebody who you think can be your long term manager, and and hope they can get you at that top half finish that you should yeah be save the season in. a little bit. Um, F- Frank Ribery was back this game. Uh, he was, I think, he was hurt, right or Yes. Before, yeah. So he 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 featured uh, actually played most of the game, but uh, that's at least you know with him back, maybe that's going to kind of change the fortunes a little bit as well. I mean, if they do want to make a, a managerial change, uh, the uh, upcoming international break in November is always a good time to uh, to to make a change. This way, it gives a coach two weeks to kind of inter- uh, make himself known with the squad, and give him time to prepare for his upcoming for the next match. Good point. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. With that, again, their uh, Spezia move up in the table. They're they're not in the uh, the 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 last three position, which is uh, obviously good for them. So we'll see if they can uh, steal some more points. That's I think that's going to be how the season goes, right? They're just going to have to steal some points here and there to kind of solidify themselves into the A. But uh, again, good showing for them just to come back. Okay. Let's uh, let's move it on to uh, Torino Cagliari. So Torino Cagliari, as we know, guys, uh, Torino has struggled quite a bit at the beginning of the season, uh, which again, I'm disappointed because as we know, I had Gianpaolo in my top five uh, managers list. Um, if I do that list now, he's definitely not on it. But usually when you're struggling as a team, I think the talk is, you know, let's start off strong. And they did. So uh, third minute, they earned a penalty. Uh, Cranio, I think, in my opinion, anyways, it was a bit of a reckless tackle on Lukic. No doubt it was a penalty. Uh, Il Gallo, Andrea Bellotti uh, put the penalty away to make it one nothing Torino. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, about 10 minutes later, Cagliari, uh, Cagliari excuse me, um, ties it up at one after a goal from Joao, Joao Pedro. Uh, that was from a cross. Uh, and then less than 10 minutes after that, um, not Diego Simeone, <laughs> but his son uh, scores in the 19th minute, 19th or 20th minute. Uh, so now we're at 2-1 Cagliari. 49th minute, uh, another goal for Il Gallo, Andrea Bellotti. Uh, it was a nice first-time finish uh, with his left foot, which we don't see too much of. Um, and then the 73rd minute, uh, Simeone uh, tapped it in for a second goal. It was uh, actually, I, I blame Sidigu 100% for this one. Yeah. Should have done better with the cross. Uh, spilled it right to Simeone, uh, tap in. Um, and it's it's things like that that um, I'm kind of getting sidetracked here, but I've seen some stuff on Twitter saying that CD Gu uh, should be Italy's number one. Uh, goals like that, just put that on repeat. And I'll tell you why Donnarumma <laughs> is Italy's number one. Um, so 94th minute, uh, Il Gallo was actually very close to completing the hat trick, a bicycle kick, um, very good attempt. Uh, also a very nice save from Cranio. Uh, so it was a 3-2 final for Cagliari. Cagliari, excuse me, I'm having trouble <laughs> with that one today. Uh, and then another very, very rough start for Giampaolo, two seasons in a row. Um, I think Milan gave him the sack after seven yep. games last year. Um, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> he matches that record or beats that uh, this time around because Torino aren't looking good so far. So for 
about the point about a potential Gianpaolo Sacchi. I don't know if uh, if Cairo, Torino's president, does pull the trigger to sack him because, I mean, he waited so long to uh, to sack Mazzari last season. Uh, so, I mean, he's known for allowing uh, patience with his managers. So we'll see uh, maybe by January, we'll see how where, where Torino is. But, I mean, if they don't pick up a, a, at least a point in the next few games, uh, in, he's in trouble. Um, to, to My next point about, about Torino is that their defense is utterly atrocious. I mean, uh, I, I was watching the highlights, and uh, there was a lot of giveaways, uh, a lot of um, missed markings. Uh, I mean, it probably, I, th- I felt like it was the same problem that he had with Milan as well. So I, I maybe. I mean, maybe he didn't he didn't bring in the players that he wanted to uh, during uh, the transfer window. But again, that cannot be said because uh, he signed most of his former players. So I, I, it's really hard for me to understand why uh, Trainer is struggling this bad. Yeah, and I, I speaking, you know, if he does get sacked, I I wouldn't be surprised. And if I had to bet, I would almost predict Moreno Longo mm-hmm. to come back, maybe. Because uh, he he wasn't terrible filling in for um, uh, Mazzari, uh, so he already knows the club. A lot of the players know him now. Yes, he didn't have a transfer window to bring players in, but that might be his you know his opportunity to show that he can you know steer the ship in the right direction, and then get a a permanent contract instead of the caretaker position. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay. So some uh, some. Ooh, uh, Mike, we didn't we didn't pay any uh, any time for Galeri and Eusebio de Francesco. Uh, I just wanted to point out that uh, after, again, a rough start for, for, for Cagliari, I mean, they're turning it around as well. Uh, they're finally, in the, in the first few, few games, Simeone was struggling. Now, uh, you know, now he's scoring goals. So, uh, you know, good for uh, Di Francesco to kind of, uh, you know, turn around the rough start this season. Yeah, that's very true. Um, okay, well, just, again, some housekeeping here. Uh, Paulo, you jumped in, but you did not uh, make note that uh, Il Gallo is now um, tied Capo Cananiata, so that's another minus 50 for you. <laughs> Wait, uh, how did, wh- why is that my fault? Isn't it shut, up, that... sh- shut up, shut up. You're minus 155 for the show so far. <laughs> oh, whatever. The points don't matter. <laughs> oh, they do this time. <laughs> if you lose, Paulo, no more betting. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's move it on here and we'll go through... Um, We'll go from Trinicaldi to Udinese Parma. So we've been speaking the past couple episodes about how Udinese really need to find the net. Um, I don't think they've scored a goal up until this week. And we also, I know we spoke about Parma, how they kind of struggled to find, kind of find their identity, right? They were playing with kind of two strikers who weren't really strikers at one point. Um, we actually ended up with a mm-hmm. relatively entertaining game. Fernandi opened the scoring in the 26th minute for Parma. Um, shot from outside the box, took a deflection, kind of luckily rolled into the net for them. But it was brought right back by Udinese. They scored off a corner shortly after uh, Samir came flying in and scored, honestly, quite a nice header. Um, now, the go-ahead goal for Udinese was a weird one. It was a terrible, terrible back pass from Kurtic. She was trying to get it to Yakuponi. Um, intercepted by Pereira, who we said was one of their new signings. Well, one of their new old signings. Um, mm-hmm. And he actually turned it in off Yakuponi, yeah. counted as Yakuponi on goal. 
Now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said Iacopone was at fault for two of the goals against Napoli. Um, he was suspended last week, and they kind of seemed better defensively, and now he's popping up on the wrong side of things again. Um, Parma did tie it as, again a little bit later with through Jan Caramel. Um, nice cross, Caramel. I don't know what the defense was doing. They kind of just let him roam free. He ran in, um, was able to get his foot on it and tie the game up again. And then 88th minute, Pusetto scored. I thought it was kind of a weaker goal. I thought Seppe could have done a little bit better on it. Um, but hey, Udinese managed to score three goals, especially after not scoring any so far this season, was a good result for them. They ended up taking it 3-2. Um, again, I know we've kind of mentioned Parma might be battling relegation this year. I think, unfortunately, that still seems to be the way they're going. Um, Udinese, maybe they've turned a new leaf here. We'll see how they progress from here on out. Um, De Lufeo also made his um, his first appearance for the club. He came on the 78th minute, so we'll see. they Kind of managed to score some goals. We'll see if they're able to keep that up. Okay. Uh, what's the over-under for um, uh, for Toto Di Natale coming back and uh, <laughs> joining the rankings? <laughs> yeah. Player manager? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's truly needed so far. I mean, if Busetto can capture that form that he had with Udinese before he left to, to Watford. I think they'll they'll probably um, survive this season uh, and to stay in Syria. But again, uh, we're we're not we're not going to see that Udinese challenging for European spots for many years to come uh, be, without any significant investment or um, finding another talisman like Dina Tal. Yeah, I still want to point out that neither Okaka or Lasagna actually scored a goal, and they're supposed to be their two main strikers. So they do need to start scoring if they want to kind of get up to that mid-table team. Yeah, I think uh, like looking at the table right now, so Udinese is in 17th on three points. Parma's on uh, three points as well in 18th. And you know, back to an earlier point you made, Julian, with you know with regards to Inter Twitter going crazy, you know, after yeah. you know three games for you guys, right? Uh, It is still early in the season, uh, but I think we would all agree that both clubs, both Udinese and Parma, don't look good right now. But uh, looking bigger picture, if I had to pick right now, I would say Udinese will be fine. Um, You know, probably finishing somewhere between 14th and, you know, 10th, best case scenario. But I I still haven't seen enough from Parma to be convinced that they won't be at least fighting for relegation at the end of the season. Um, Just still not convinced. Um, I still think Davarsa should be the manager and mm-hmm. mentioned that a few times, but it's uh, it's been a rough first four weeks yeah. anyways. And I prob- no, go ahead, Paul. I, so I probably mentioned this last week or uh, last time we spoke about Parma in depth that they just have um, recently got new American owners. So again, uh, Liverani mm-hmm. is probably on a tight leash because I believe that the owners came in after uh, they chose Liverani as their manager. So we'll see how long um, he lasts uh, in, in, in that position. And plus, uh, with American money um, for the January transfer, maybe uh, they can win, uh, bring in a few players to kind of bolster their squad. They might yeah, need yeah. to, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, I think, uh, again, if you look at the table, uh, you see, you know, Benevento and Spezia, again, it's really tight still. Obviously, it's still pretty early on, like you said, Chris, but 
those are probably teams who you would expect again a Parma and it would need to be able to kind of over overcome you know in that in that table right yeah exactly it's almost flip flop where Benevento and Spezia should be towards the bottom and Parma would United say yeah so I, I, yeah we'll see what if I jump of, here? yeah sure go ahead uh, so the way I see that is that Benevento and Spezia were the most active on the transfer market in my opinion. Uh, when you look at Parma and, and Udinese, they were signing uh, players that formerly played for the club, kind of, you know, bolstering their squad on a budget. Uh, Benevento and Spezia went, you know, went, went, went full out and got players with Serie A experience, with, uh, with, you know, top level experience. And it's showing. I mean, to me, Benevento are playing a type of, uh, type of soccer that, uh, that should be admired by people in Zaghi, not Simona and Zaghi, people in Zaghi. Is doing a fantastic job uh, getting the play, getting the best of his players, and in the same goes to uh, Vincenzo Italiano, who you know without they played what four games or three games so far um, in in the in the type light. I'm talking about Spezia, and they have they have two points. I mean that's pretty impressive for a team that everyone predicted to be uh, 20th, like like Benevento's first season, Syria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Okay, let's uh, let's keep her going here. Let's move on to uh, another uh, goal goal filled game uh, with uh, Roma at Benevento or at Benevento or at, no, I think Roma was host to Benevento. It was in yeah yeah it was in yeah. uh, it was in Rome. So uh, super lucky first goal for Benevento it was inside the first five minutes. It was a shot from outside the box from Caprari, who actually had a, a fairly strong game, all things considered. Uh, but it took a deflection off one of the Roma defenders and skipped right over Mirante. Um, I, I'll get into this a bit later, but I actually think Mirante, you could argue, was was man of the match. And I, I know they conceded two goals, but um, you know we'll break that down in a bit. Um, so Pedro, I believe mm-hmm. this is his second goal for Roma. He tied it in the 30th uh, with a, a well-placed shot. It was inside the box, uh, cut back by Pellegrini, I think it was. Uh, so that made it 1-1. And then later on in the first half, uh, like splendid ball from Mkhitaryan uh, to, to Dzeko. Uh, amazing through ball. Dzeko finishes it, um, as you would expect, the far post with his right foot. Um, so moving to the second half, uh, Vertu... Uh, gives up a penalty in the 53rd minute. Very easy call for the referee. Vertu stepped on the um, Benevento. I think it, was, it might have been Lapadula. Lapadula's foot. Um, so, and speaking of Lapadula, the former AC Milan man Legend. Uh, steps up to take the PK. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know if he played the full season. He was there. He's terrible. But uh, the, the PK was actually saved, and then he scored the rebound, much like uh, Ibra did against Handanovic. Ooh. Sorry, Julian. Um, 66th minute, um, Vertu redeems himself. Uh, Roma earns a penalty. Um, harsh call, in my opinion. Um, I thought uh, Benevento's goalkeeper made a play on the ball. Um, we we're talking about earlier, you know, what happens on the follow through. So it looks like the referee claimed that the follow through is where the foul took place, um, despite making contact with the ball first. But again, maybe a conversation for a different day. Uh, so Vertu stepped up to bury that, making it 3-2. Uh, and 77th minute at this point, Benevento is just pushing, trying to you know inch towards an equalizer, playing a high line. Uh, Mkhitaryan squares it for Zeko. And then in the 89th minute, uh, this is our goal of the week. 
uh, Carlos Perez, I think, who came on, you know, in the 83rd or 84th minute, uh, picks up the goal somewhere around half, maybe even in Roma's half. Um, dribbles through several Benevento players, uh, different feints, a couple step overs, and then he cuts inside uh, with a well placed finish um, across goal where he came from. It was it was really fantastic. Uh, the game was kind of falling asleep at that point, being four uh, two, and he finished it off to make it fifth. Uh, to make it fifth, to make it five two for Roma, uh, which was yeah. And uh, again, to your point there, we've we've outlined this one as your goal of the week. So here, let's uh, let's play the um, uh, Paulo's favorite segment here, the Radio Cronica um, radio broadcast of it. Eh, pallone tra i piedi eh, se non andiamo errati con bolla metà attenzione adesso a Carles Perez che va via se non in mezzo a cinque avversari palla sul sinistro rete grandissimo gol di Carles Perez esattamente al minuto 44 nel corso del secondo tempo azione personale funambolica dello spagnolo ex Barcellona che ha messo in mostra tutte le sue capacità tecniche e non vuole sentire nulla dice Carles Perez voglio solo sentire l'esultanza dei tifosi che d'accordo saranno pochissimi ma che sicuramente non possono che applaudire a questa conclusione e a questa giocata pazzesca di Perez Cristante era andato via in mezzo a due avversari rischiando anche qualcosina all'altezza quasi all'altezza della sua area di rigore poi aveva smistato il pallone per Carles Perez che ha messo la quinta è partito dalla linea mediana da destra si è centrato ha saltato uno due tre avversari poi dalla mezzaluna dell'area di rigore ha lasciato partire uno a sinistro di oh, ok c'era Rete, that was the best part. Yeah, let's play it. Oh, in mezzo a cinque avversari, palla sul sinistro. Rete, rete. So the the commentator was uh, Francesco Re- uh, yeah. Repice, who's uh, one of my favorite uh, com- uh, commentators to listen when I have to uh, tune into the radio broadcast. Yeah, if you love him so much, Paulo, why don't you marry him? <laughs> oh, funny joke, Mike. <laughs> Uh, just, just very quickly, guys, on this one. So, on previous episodes where we've broken down Roma, I kind of was maybe a bit harsh of just their their shape in possession. It was at three four two one, and I didn't really think it worked for Roma. Uh, it looked so. It looks like they were defending in that shape uh, in this game against Benevento, but in possession, Cristante basically became a holding midfielder, and then it looked like a four three three with uh, Mkhitaryan and Pedro being those wingers. Zecco being the striker, and then Pellegrini, Cristante, and Vertu as the center midfielder. So that seemed more natural. They seemed to have more uh, more rhythm when they were in possession. So hopefully that's a, a change that Fonseca can almost make permanent going forward because uh, they had several chances. They scored five, obviously, and could have had a few more. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to comment on the, on the penalty again. Uh, to me, it was the right call. Um, I'm talking about the the, the very two uh, penalty, uh, where uh, it was similar to what Bonucci did, so it was, it was a clear cut um, call. And I saw the 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 penalty that was given away by uh, Montipo. I thought it was a penalty. Uh, completely, I don't think he got the ball. I thought he completely missed and took out the player. So to me, that's again another clear cut uh, penalty. I don't know what uh, people in Zaghi was complaining about after the game. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess he is. Uh, brothers with Simone Inzaghi, who also has a history of uh, bitching and complaining about a cause not going his way. So, I mean, uh, personally, I think that the refs got all those um, episodes right. And it was a better officiated game than what we saw on uh, on the Saturday. Okay. Well, why don't we move on to Monday? 
Let's see what what happened on Monday. How is Verona and Genoa? Um, so on, I mean, if you look at kind of the box score of this game, it seemed to be a little bit boring. Uh, it finished zero zero, but the man of the match for sure was Mattia Pitin. I honestly, I'm gonna try and look up how many saves he had because I feel like it was ten plus. Um, Verona just seemed to have chance after chance after chance and just couldn't find that one goal. Um, now for Genoa it was their first game in about twenty days, I think they said. So they, not surprising, they were a little kind of on their back foot. Um, so ultimately, it did finish zero-zero. Uh, sorry, nobody was able to find the breakthrough. Um, Verona, I know they did bring in a couple younger strikers. They had Colley, who I think is on loan from Atalanta. I know Philly started again as well. They did bring on Salcedo again towards the end. Um, just unfortunately, nobody was able to break that deadlock. And they also, Kalinic uh, also came on as he well. He made his debut as well? Yes. Where are we here? I'm trying to see. Can't find saves. Yeah, I can't. I'm trying to find it as well. But uh, yeah, Kalinic came on in the. 60th, I guess. Uh, yeah, 60th year. Um, so he had, he had like quite a half hour, obviously, to, to make a difference here. And again, there was not not much happening. There. So, Julian, you're right about the 10 saves. Yeah, he had 10 saves. That's a lot of saves. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes to show that, that uh, I mean, Genoa defensively is uh, is not the greatest. Um, I mean, if you allow Crotone to score uh, a goal, which again goes to show that Juventus did not play well against uh, against Crotone, but if you concede a goal um, against against uh, against Crotone when you're up uh, four nothing, I mean, you got a problem in the back, in my opinion. You know who did beat Crotone? <laughs> who Milan? <laughs> Yes. Again, okay. Listen, I don't want to yes. rehash that, but if you, uh, we already, if we go back to the other episodes, Milan should have been sent uh, uh, down to ten men as well in that game because there was a few fouls that uh, VAR did not call. And uh, again, uh, I don't know. You're only as good as Milan. your last game. Well, listen, I don't know. I don't know if uh, uh, if Milan is getting the the calls uh, this season, but. Uh, that's probably because yes. Elliot's been throwing money uh, at the club. Last so, I checked, Danielle still works listen, for Listen, listen, listen. So. Milan should have been sent down to 10 men. They should have been sent down to City of B with Internazionale. <laughs> it's all a scam here. But, okay, at the end of this week, <laughs> after four games played, Milan are on were our top of the leaderboard. Sassuolo, surprisingly, maybe, uh, surprisingly, are, are second. So uh, Milan has 12 Sassuolo's on 10. Atalanta, despite losing, are at 9. Uh, Napoli, again, that 3-0 uh, that automatic defeat uh, has kind of soured their season a little bit, or this so far. And minus, and minus one, point one point as well, because they're on 8 points now, even though they have 3 wins. Um, but that's, again, that might change. They might end up uh, playing that game after all. They're appealing it right, so we'll see what kind of happens with that. Um, yep. Juventus are on uh, 8 points, again, with that point from... Uh, the the Napoli game uh, and Inter are in sixth, um, actually tied with Hellas Verona. But uh, that's the top of the table. Again, we we've talked a little bit about the bottom, but we have Parma down uh, in 18th, Crotone in 19, and Torino uh, with their lazy starter at 20. Uh, but that's the way the 
table is looking right now. Uh, we'll see again what happens uh, in the weeks to come. But uh, yeah, again, we, we've talked at, at end, uh, or we've talked a lot about uh, Sassuolo's strong start, and it's kind of showing here in Milan as well. Just quickly before we move on, I think like Milan's strong start, I think you have to, you all kind of laugh that they have to go through the Europa League playoff. Um, but realistically, they were, that could be their preseason, right? They were the only ones who really had a competitive preseason. Whereas most of the teams were playing, like, what, Serie B, Serie C teams. So I know, even though mm-hmm. Milan, it was, they were playing lesser teams in the Europa League, there were still competitive matches. They still needed to go out and get the win. Um, and I honestly think that's helped them kind of get off to their strong start. I think I think it's definitely helped. I, I know we want to move on. Um, at the same time, like if, if we started off two and two, I know people would be saying, "Oh, all those Europa League games made you know the squad tired, so on and so forth," and it would become an excuse. So I, I think it, it 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 is what you make of it, and so I would agree. I think it's it has helped because it's kind of given Milan that extra competitive edge in those in those games, and I mean Inter themselves even started late, mm-hmm. right, because of their Europa League uh, matches, so um, I, I would agree, but I think it could have been used against them if the success yeah, wasn't there. They, they started late. They started late, and they so, still haven't shown uh, up for the season. <laughs> uh, so I, I just want to, you know, bring the other side of the uh, preseason, quote unquote preseason. Uh, I know uh, uh, Juventus are using, or excuse me, Juventus fans are using the lack of a preseason as a uh, as an excuse for for their um, inconsistent start. Uh, to me, that should have been known going into the season. And you know, they're 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 trying to ask for patience from the fans. But again, after uh, you know nine straight season of winning winning the scudetto, I don't think fans fans expect uh, a Juventus team to come out and win against Crotone. Uh, Peel is inexperienced again. Should not be used as an excuse. This was going. Uh, this was known going into the season. Uh, I mean, if like like I said on the podcast uh, in earlier episodes, the this is not this again. If this continues to go the way it is going right now, after a, a bad game against uh, against Crotone, I know it's just one game, but the 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 Pilo experiment may not go as how uh, as how they planned. I mean, this would have been okay if, you know, this was a normal time period where you're not dealing with COVID, you're not dealing with uh, lack of fans in, in the stands or a, a shortened preseason. Uh, this could have went gone as how they envisioned. But uh, to me, I think this was a step too far. A bridge too far. Let's uh, exactly. honestly let's let's end it there and let's uh, let's call it um, again. Let's see what happens in terms of Juventus uh, over the season. But it's yeah, again, it's at least they haven't lost yet. <laughs> so that's that's a positive for them. Um, I mean, uh, to to that point, if if Napoli played the way that they yeah. did against Atalanta because yeah. I know Gattuso said he would have started that exact same lineup against Juventus. 
I I I don't know how if uh, Juventus would. Well, all I know is that, that I see an L beside Napoli and I see a W beside Juventus so far. <laughs> so again, at least they haven't <laughs> lost yet. Uh, okay, well let's again let's let's wrap it up there and uh, we'll take another break here. And when we come back, we'll we'll walk everybody through um, the European uh, fixtures that are set to come up this week uh, before we close up the show. So uh, give us a second. We'll be right back. Welcome back. What a beautiful song with a beautiful message by Marco Massini. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's move right into our uh, European preview here, because uh, in the interest of, of saving everyone another hour of discussion, we'll <laughs> we'll just kind of go through it quickly. But um, let's start off with uh, Champions League, which is this week, and uh, at the early game on uh, Tuesday is going to be. Uh, Dinamo Kiev hosting Juventus um, and the Convocati for that uh, game show that uh, Ronaldo still isn't ready. He, st- he still has the COVID and he uh, will not feature, uh, but it sounds like Dybala will. So that's uh, something to look forward to. I think, again, uh, we talked in previous episodes about how if Juve uh, wanted, wanted to stand a chance kind of uh, for top position in this group with uh, Barcelona being the other top gun there um, they're going to have to kind of take points from uh, from Kiev so we'll see what kind of happens I predict myself I again in past episodes I've said that this is good, either going to end 0-0 zero, zero or one nothing. Uh, <laughs> I think based on on uh, results that happened so far this year again I'm, I'm saying uh, probably a one nothing win for Juventus away to Kiev Thoughts, guys? I'd probably... Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, tough to say. I mean, obviously not a good showing from Juve midweek, so uh, yeah. we'll see. I haven't seen too much of Kiev either, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, yeah, Paul. So uh, I just want to point out a fact that uh, I was reading on Twitter that uh, Pirlo will be going up against... Uh, his former coach, uh, Lutescu, who actually gave him his uh, Serie A debut with uh, Brescia. So it's kind of a homecoming of sorts. Sure. Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, I just wanted to point out some uh, Well, hey, you know. honestly, I appreciate that. That's uh, you, you bring some class to this podcast. So thank you. Uh, okay, let's uh, move forward here. Lazio also uh, feature on Tuesday. Uh, and who do they play? They play Borussia Dortmund. That is correct. So uh, Immobile and Haaland are set to return to their uh, respective starting lineups. It's also, again, uh, speaking of, of homecomings and former teams, uh, Immobile is set to line up against his former team. Remember, he played one season with uh, right. Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. So uh, Lazio has a very poor record against uh, German opposition. Uh, they lost twice to 
Eintracht for, uh, Frankfurt in the 2018-2019 edition of the Europa League, and then lost 3-1 on an aggregate to Brian Lever- uh, Bayer Leverkusen excuse me, uh, in, during the uh, Champions League playoff in 2015. So I just want to, uh, you know, I talked about earlier how, uh, you know, uh, Lazio, after a, a struggling against uh, Sampdoria, and they set the face off against uh, Borussia Dortmund. So this is Borussia Dortmund's projected front three. Sancho, Reyna, and Haaland are, are predicted to go up against Patrick, Acherby, and Hoyt. So I, to our listeners, make your own conclusions. To me, I'll take that uh, Borussia Dortmund front three any day of the week. What's your prediction? Well, I think Dortmund are going to smack them around. I mean, I think it's going to be like two or three nothing, Dortmund. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Hmm. Sorry, Lazio yeah, that's fans. a tough, uh, that's a tough job for them, especially to start mm-hmm. being back in the Champions League after what Paul I think last episode said, oh five, oh six, around then. That's a tough first draw. I uh, know it was twenty. I think it was thirteen yeah. years. So twenty seven, uh, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, that's a tough draw. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, move over to – so that was Tuesday's game. Let's move over into Wednesdays. And, uh, again, we have another two Italian teams playing. We have uh, Inter against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah, so Inter, um, after the derby, they need to come out and they need to get a win. Um, last year, they tied Sparta Praha – sorry, was it Slavia Praha? Match day one, and that kind of – kind of put a bad omen on them for the rest of the Champions League. So they need to come out and get a win. Uh, the good news is Bastoni is back. I know he's tested negative now twice in a row, so he will most likely be starting over Polarov. Um, Nainggolan, I know, has also tested negative. They're struggling with him to see if he'll make match fitness. Um, but, again, this is a must-win game for Inter. I know Gladback haven't had a strong start to the season. I think they're actually sitting... Close to mid-table or maybe even bottom half of the table in the German league. Um, so, we'll see what happens. Yeah, they're sitting currently, they're sitting 11th. Yeah. In Bundesliga. And there's only 18 teams there, so that's... Uh, yeah, so Inter need to come out and kind of make a statement here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, and the second game, second Italian uh, game on Wednesday is uh, at uh, Atalanta uh, against Midland. That's correct. Atalanta Midland. It's at the MCH arena in Denmark. So uh, speaking of where other clubs are in their table, respective tables, uh, Midland is currently sitting fifth in the Danish super league. I think much like Inter needing to rebound in their match, Atalanta is going to want to show that that Napoli match was a one-off. And I do expect them to come out in full force. I'm going to go ahead and predict a 3-1. I, I want to say 4-1, but I, I, I'll give Midland a bit more respect. So I'm going to predict 3-1 Atalanta. And there is a bit of Canadian content in this match. We're always looking for Canadian content, guys. Uh, Mandrakar James is on Midland. Um, I don't know if he was in the latest version of John Herdman's squad, but he's featured uh, a decent amount over the past few years. So there is a Canadian there. Um, don't know if he'll see the field, but uh, nice to see him involved in the squad. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, let's uh, pivot then to uh, Europa on, I believe it's the Thursday. 
Uh, and again, we have the bulk, we have all of the Europa League games on Thursday. And uh, one of the early games is uh, Young Boys hosting Roma. Um, and that, uh, again, uh, if we're looking towards where they're at in uh, the Super League, uh, Young Boys are currently sitting third. So they've had a, a decent start. Um, and again, we know Roma is sitting around eighth in uh, the City A t- table. So this is a game, I think, again, just seeing how uh, Roma's kind of found a little bit more form. Again, they just played Benevento where they had some nice uh, some nice passing plays. I think young boys can be a uh, an interesting challenge for them. And uh, my prediction here, I think, is I- I'm, I- I'd like to see Roma come away with it, but I... It's hard for me to say that uh, they will. I'll give it a tie. It's going to be a one-one tie. Now, sorry, I just want to confirm. Right? Were these the same young boys? These are. Um, uh, these are not the same young boys okay. from Cristiano Ronaldo's. Um, okay. Sorry. Tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be sorry, Julian. No, this clarification <laughs> is needed. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, and uh, so that's the first game of uh, the Italian um, portion of the Europa League on Thursday. Uh, and then Napoli play as well. Um, AZ Alkmaar. Yeah, so they're going up against uh, AZ Alkmaar, as you said. I kind of looked through the team to see if there were any notable players. The only one I recognized was Bruno Martinzindi who was supposed to be Virgil van Dyke before Virgil van Dyke. Um, <laughs> you might, yeah, you might remember him. He's kind of most famously known for the meme that was made about him at the World Cup when his eyes were almost popping out of his head. <laughs> um, but I mean, if Napoli are playing the way they played against Atalanta, I have no doubt they'll come away with the win on this one. Score? <laughs> um, yeah, we'll go. I'll go 3 nothing Napoli. All right. Nice. Hopefully. Uh, okay, and uh, finally on uh, on Thursday, the last Italian matchup uh, is going to be uh, Chris's Milan taking on uh, Celtic. Yeah, so Milan Celtic at Celtic Park. Normally, uh, I don't know how many fans are being allowed into the stadium, but if it was full, that's always a, a factor. Uh, I think teams generally... Uh, you know, struggle a little bit when they have to go play at Celtic. It's just one of those stadiums that, um, you know, the supporters' voices are, are heard in, in full force. And um, that being said, uh, I do think Milan will come away with the win. I think with the win, excuse me. I think they're oh, they're obviously in, in playing in fantastic form. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, we'll say 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil win. Uh, there's also Diego uh, Laxalt, uh, for those who already forgot about him. I don't blame <laughs> you, but he uh, he is with Celtic right now. Uh, I don't know if, if he'll be in the starting 11 or not. I would expect him to at least be on the bench. So it would be interesting for him if he does suit up because, you know, about two weeks ago he was wearing uh, the red and black and then he'll be going up against him in a competitive European match. So 2-0 Milan is the prediction. And... Um, Hopefully, uh, they can get off to a good European start. And they'll they'll both be Zlatan goals again. Oh, uh, <laughs> let's! I'm gonna go and say a goal for Leao, a goal for Leao, and a goal for Chalanoglu. Okay, okay. 
Uh, I just want to point out another Celtic player, uh, mm-hmm. Christoph Iyer. Uh, please, please correct me if I'm uh, mispronouncing the name, but I think uh, he's, he'd be a player to look out for. He's a center back yeah. for Celtic. Yeah, he. he, he and, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 finish your thought. I just wanted to point. Yeah, no, I'm, actually, I'm glad you pointed him out. He's definitely a player to watch, and uh, funny enough, he's also on Milan's radar. Um, I'm hoping in January there's a bit more steam behind that rumor, but uh, apparently Milan's had him on the radar. So what better way to impress your future employers than Bahia playing well against them? Well, that's exactly what happened with the Norwegian uh, team, right? Yeah, with uh, Hauge. Signed, uh, so you're telling me, Chris, yeah. that they're gonna they're potentially gonna have Ayer and Kier? Kier. Ayer and Kier. That'd be interesting. It'd be nice. That's, listen, that's... I mean, I, I feel bad for the commentator. Uh, <laughs> Iyer to Kyer. <laughs> they do look a little similar. Um, but no, any commentator who knows what they're doing should be able to tell them apart. Yeah, clearly. Uh, we're not th- those commentators. Um, what? Uh, what? What's Maybe. What? <laughs> Maybe. Hey, Forza read to this way. <laughs> Uh, okay, and that actually that's that finishes uh, the European previews for this week. So uh, again, let's uh, best of luck to to the squads. Uh, hopefully, we have some uh, some good news. I guess go, going into the weekend uh, with some promising results. Uh, but yeah, it's all to play for. So they've got we've got some some tougher matches with Lazio, for example, and uh, maybe some easier ones. Um, with uh, Atalanta so again we'll see if uh, we'll see if this they can pull through okay that's uh, that's it for Europe preview let's uh, move into finally the um, I guess right to the city of B minute Paula what you got for us so I just want to uh, give a couple of uh, results uh, from this past weekend Uh, Pescara lost at home to Empoli 2-1 uh, Frozenone, uh, shout out to again another another shout out Did to a lose? Frozenone fan who ah uh, oh, fuck no they won Bastard. one nothing until <laughs> 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 until tied Regina one one uh, and also Monza had their game postponed uh, with uh, Vincenza uh, because of the COVID. Uh, also, I just want to give a shout out to uh, former Milan striker and Roma striker Jeremy Menez who has two goals so far this season. So just a quick top five of the, um, the of the leaderboard. Uh, Chidel uh, in first place with seven points. Salernitana uh, in second place with seven points. Empoli in third with seven points. Frozenone with in fourth with six, and Regina in fifth with five points. Also, uh, Mike, our beloved uh, Pescara, struggling so far this season. Massimo Oro's return not going well so far, and they're in nineteenth place uh, Out of so 20. far this season. Uh, no, there's more than that in Serie B. I think there's 22. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yes. Yes, because they do a playoff. Okay. A playoff. Uh, and they've scored two goals this season. <laughs> Forza Pescara. And so, if we're, yeah. yeah Forza Again, we're still waiting for our jersey. Season. So, um, I... yeah. Well, hopefully, we gotta we got to add them on, uh, on Twitter and, you know, keep begging for that yes. uh, rainbow Deal. jersey. Deal. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's wrap up that uh, that city of B minutes, um, and uh, I will say what we didn't include in the show. 
uh, speaking of Twitter is uh, just a, a quick uh, plug for our Twitter. So if uh, you haven't already started to follow us, uh, please do so at Rete This Way, R-E-T-E This Way uh, on the Twitter uh, where we we like to have lots of fun and we uh, retweet lots of fun things. And uh, yeah, we, let's just kind of get that conversation going on there. Um, we've actually, we need to address it because it uh, it clearly uh, didn't work as Paula wanted it to work out, but we'll have to, uh, we had our <laughs> pledge drive um, where we actually, we did gain quite a few followers. And so it worked to that, uh, to that point. So I'll give Paula credit there, but uh, we will, we'll have to be posting regardless, some sort of uh, embarrassing photo of yourself uh, from your playing days. So Paulo, um, do you have that queued up soon enough? Uh, uh, no, yeah, I mean, no, 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 400 no. followers. <laughs> I don't it'll, think it'll so. You'll be, be queued up. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give away secrets. my secrets, secrets that easily, Mike. You know they gotta. Well, why well, secrets? These are these are you know embarrassing photos. Why do I want to you know give it uh, give it up? So yeah, but we didn't reach our we, didn't reach our we, goal. we should be embarrassed. You know, maybe so we should do it. We should do two. We should find another one. No, <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't work like that. Maybe if we reach two hundred and fifty, then you know I'll I'll, I'll consent to uh, a po- uh, picture of mine being posted on Twitter. You know, uh, we speaking of Twitter. Uh, you know, at least you know we're we're Canadian and you know uh, Canadian Italians, and we try to you know represent uh, you know our nation well and and try not to make any like belligerent errors on Twitter. And I just wanted to point out another another for, uh, another Canadian. Uh, you know, was speaking the speaking about his team, uh, Aston Villa team. I don't want to name any names. I think Aston Villa just gave it away. But you know, when when he confused. Uh, Napoli and Lazio, you got a you got a problem, and probably should avoid commenting on uh, on uh, Syria. It's an honest mistake, Paolo. Come on, give the guy a break. Is it? They were wearing lime green this weekend. I don't know if <laughs> that's that was an fair. honest mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And Atlanta would not be caught dead in those lime greens, right? Well, exactly. Not, neither would neither Napoli would they be have, would be caught that's, that hey, as well. well. Didn't they have lime green literally like two years ago? I, no, they the camel jersey, a couple years ago. Oh yeah, the camel the goalkeeper jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Green jerseys. Yeah. yeah. So, I just want to you know get that get that off my chest. My rant. Okay. For and actually, the, hey, uh, speaking of uh, Frozen Oni fan, he we, we owe him a rant. One of your rants. So let's uh, let's. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, like when if he's uh, you know ingrazzled to coming on the uh, the show, uh, he's welcome to come on and and we can have a, a you know a nice conversation, nice back and forth uh, with him, especially because he's also an Inter supporter, but we like to refer him to as a resident Frosinone fan. So I mean, it will be an interesting conversation. How about with him. the next time that Inter uh, win a game, we'll have him on the next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would appreciate okay. yeah, that. Yeah, we'll think yes. about it. Uh, okay, let's uh, again. That's uh, our Twitter is at Rete This Way. Our Instagram is at uh, RTW Calcio. Uh, so please, please follow us there as well. Um, and thank you for listening and for uh, for making us feel special. We recently hit some a couple milestones. We have over a thousand plays. So again, thank you guys for. Uh, contributing to that because we again this is it's a passion project for all of us and uh, we enjoy speaking on um, the Syria 
the State of City app because it's, uh, again, it's enjoyable for us and we hope it's enjoyable for you as well. Um, so does anybody else have anything to add uh, before we wrap up? All good here? Yeah. No, yeah, we're, we're good. good. Okay. Uh, so just, uh, again, a communal thank you for that. And, uh, hey, let's, uh, let's have a great uh, stint in Europe this week and we'll, we'll see you again um, uh, at the turn of the weekend when we can have uh, some more uh, results to go over with you. Okay. Thanks for everybody for listening. Have a good night.